Masechet Sota Daftet. We saw yesterday a long baraita on the theme of Midak and Midah, and now we're going to go and analyze a few sections of that baraita. Baraita taught, Umeachar de Nafkale, Meachat de Achatim Socheshbon, Ki Cholseon Soen Berash Lamali. Baraita asked for sources, Pisukim, in which we see the principle of Midak and Midah, and it brought, a, brought three of them. Uh, the One of them that it brought is one by one, add up to an accounting, uh, which from which we derive that even small sins will add up, add up, until they deserve one big punishment. So if we have that pasuk that teaches us that small sins are accounted for, then why do we need this pasuk of kol se'on? This pasuk that we learned that uh, this se'on is um, like a small se'ah. Se'ah is a big measure. Se'on is a small measure and even... A small, a small sin will, um, this will get, uh, ra'ash, will get, uh, stamped out with fierceness, will get a small punishment. So, lamali, why do I need both of them if they're both addressing small sins? And the answer is, lechmida, um, by, by the measure, even by a small measure. In other words, from the first one, we know that small sins will add up to a big punishment, but not always. Sometimes a small sin will get a small punishment, um, but it will be accounted for in one way or another. And now if we have this pasuk of se'on that teaches us small measure um, is, a, is, get, is a punishment for a small sin, why do I need the pasuk from Yeshaya, other pasuk from Yeshaya that says um, a, that talks talking about a large measure, if a small sin is punished, and certainly a, a large sin is punished, um, so this pasuk was about a full se'ah, um, will uh, will get uh, will get punished. So what do we need that? Lichet Rabchinena Bar Papa, Dama Rabchinena Bar Papa, and Hakadosh Baruch Hu Nifra Min Ha'Ma Ad She'Ad Shiluche Shilucha Shenemar Besasea Beshalecha. Oh, so this will actually apply on a national level. This pasuk, and that's what Rabchinena Bar Papa. We're going to see a couple of interpretations of applications of this statement of Rabchinena. So remember it. Um, that Kadosh uh, Baruch punishes uh, a, a nation only when it's time for it to be banished. In other words, on a national level, uh, you can't give a, a, a small punishment to on a national level. It's all or nothing. For an individual person, individual person can get, uh, can get a cold, he can get a, a, a stub his toe and get a small punishment, but a nation um, adds up, adds up until they deserve full punishment and they're banished and they're destroyed totally. So that's why this Pasuk is talking about a full measure. Now we ask about this. Is that true that on a national level, um, there's just one punishment at the end and they're finished? After all, Rabbah said regarding the three cups, said regarding Egypt. This is talking about the dream of Sarham Mashkim. This says the word kos three times in his dream. So why mention it three times? Now, so the cup here is related to a cup of cursing, which is mentioned elsewhere. So these three cups are three curses, three punishments that will come upon uh, Egypt. When? One time in the time of Moshe, during Yitzhak Misraim, all of the makot that they got. And the second one in the time of Par'ah Necha, during the first Bet HaMikdash, a different Par'ah, and he was conquered by Nebuchadnezzar. 
uh, the king of Babel. And another one that's going to happen in the future uh, suggestion, uh, this may refer to the Six-Day War. In the future, Egypt, they come and they try to attack and they were attacked and they were uh, conquered. And so here you have three times that a nation was in fact punished um, on a national level. So we see that this is a challenge to what Rav Chinena said, because he said that once a, a nation um, gets enough sin, then there are, they are punished all at once and they are eradicated from the world and not small punishments from time to time. And here you see that they received three different times punishment, were not eradicated from the world, uh, but were, you know, survived to get punished again at a different time. So how, how can, uh, this is a, this is a contradiction. And maybe you'll say, no, that even though they're all in the land, the ge geography of Egypt, they are different dynasties. They are different kingdoms. So maybe you'll say the ancient uh, pharaohs of the time of Egypt, Ramses, um, they they are gone. And Paron Necho in the time of Nebuchadnezzar, that's you know a thousand years later, um, is a different uh, a different government, a different peoples. And the one in the future, you know, if it's a six day war, is also a different people, uh, you know, ethnically and, and by, by their government. And so uh, the previous one was totally destroyed, and this is a new one. So maybe you'll say that, and therefore that then supports Rav Chinana's claim, right? Because each of those dynasties or that entire people is destroyed, and this is a, to a totally new people, which historically actually makes a lot of sense. However, we cannot say this because said, I had a friend in the, my, in the class that was a student of Rabbi Akiva. This friend, his name was Minyamin. Minyamin uh, is an alternate pronunciation of Binyamin. Bet and Mem are both bilabials and often interchanged in pronunciation. Um, so he was a convert from the Egyptians. And the halacha is that an Egyptian convert cannot marry into the regular kahal of Jewish people uh, for th until the fourth generation. They can only marry other converts. So Minyamin, the Ger Mitzri, says, I am a first generation uh, convert. And I married another first generation con convert. And then I, we will have a child and that my, my son, we're going to, um, uh, marry off to a second generation convert. And then their children by that time will be third generation, third, a third generation, meaning a great, uh, grandchild of the, um, uh, of an Egyptian. And so that's already four generations. And then they, that, that my, his grandchild will be permitted to marry. And so you, what, do you, what do you see here? That even during the time of Rabbi Akiva, which is way later than, uh, than uh, Paro Necho, um, already still the biblical prohibition of don't marry an Egyptian was still in effect, meaning that they understood that the Egypt that the Torah was talking about is the same Egypt that we're, that they still had, were, that was still around. Um, if it was a completely new peoples, then the Torah prohibition would not apply to them. The fact that it does means that, um, we see this as a continuous civilization. Um, and therefore, this is a, uh, in fact, a challenge 
to Rav Chinena. And in fact, we see that here on a national level, they receive a punishment, but they're not totally wiped out. So rather, we're going to have to reapply. Rather, Rav Chinena, if he said this, he was not talking about an entire nation, but rather about a king. HaKadosh Baruch Hu will not punish a king for sinful behavior until it's time for his banishment. In other words, a king that does one bad thing, two bad things, is not going to get a small punishment for each. Rather, they're going to fill up until he's ready to go completely. Um, uh, in, in, in a way, it's a favor to dole out small punishments because then you can get rid of that punishment and then go on and have, and have uh, um, uh, more, more longevity. Uh, whereas if you save up the sins until it's full, then then the, the person gets uh, gets fired, or gets uh, in this in the case of get killed of, of being a king uh, gets killed, gets banished, and is no longer there. This explains a lot for theodicy. You know how come there's evil kings that are around for a long time, and uh, why aren't they punished? And the answer is so that their sinfulness can be filled up, so that they will be uh, they will be destroyed. And so that's what it's talking about. The full se'ah applies not to entire um, nation, but rather to a king. Now we have a third application of what uh, of Rav Chinenah's statement. And this one is going to apply to Bnei Israel. Pasuk and Micha said, it says in Peshat, I am Hashem, I do not change. Right? And you, the sons of Yaakov, are not consumed. In other words, I'm with you. I will never change. I will always uh, keep you safe. Um, however, the Midrash is reading Shaniti, not as change, but rather as repeat. Ani Hashem lo shaniti, lo hiketi shaniti la. I Hashem, I don't have to repeat myself when I punish someone. All right? There's no nation in the world that I had to punish twice. In other words, Hashem aims once, shoots once, shoots to kill. Right? And, uh, and, uh, if Hashem is going to punish a nation, there's not going to be any future for them. That's true in general for other nations. However, But you, uh, the children of Yaakov, you are not consumed. And this is connected to the Pasuk in Azinu. That's, uh, Hashem says, my arrows, are, I used up on them, right? My arrows are all used up, but Bnei Israel are not destroyed. And that's because even when Hashem is angry at Bnei Israel and sends a punishment, He always leaves She'erit Israel, a remnant that can go on. Hashem will not wipe out um, Bnei Israel completely, even though, of course, He has the power. And with other nations, once their sin is full, they're destroyed. But for Bnei Israel, um, even though they endure many calamities, but they are not ultimately destroyed. Rav Hamnuna applies this idea on, uh, does apply this idea on a personal level that Hashem does not punish a person until his se'ah, his uh, measure of, uh, of punishment is, uh, of sin is full and then gives it all at once. Ravchinena gives a midrashic interpretation of this pasuk that says, um, rejoice 
uh, tzaddikim in Hashem, and those who are upright or, or, or that follow a straight path, um, for them, it is good for them to praise Hashem. Hashem likes their praise, right? It's proper for them to praise. But the Rebbe say, since the, at this time of the Talmud, there, there were no nikudot, that an oral tradition of how to read a pasuk, so they knew how to read the pasuk, but since there's no nikudot, you can also repunctuate it and derive uh, another layer of meaning. So don't read nava, but rather nave. Nave means a house uh, of praise, a mishkan or a bet hamikdash, um, um, tehila. So this refers to Moshe and David, um, who built something uh, in a, a place in praise of uh, for praise of Hashem. Uh, Moshe built the mishkan, and David built uh, the walls of the city of Jerusalem. He conquered Jerusalem, established. He didn't yet build the bet hamikdash, but um, he, um, he, 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 he set the foundations uh, so that it could be built um, uh, in, his, in the generation after him. And in both of these cases, the enemies were not able to benefit from their achievements. So that's what it means, nave um, tehila, that the house was of praise and was not, uh, was not taken, taken over by the enemies, even though um, the enemies came and... Um, and eventually destroyed Yerushalayim, but they did not take those precious items. As we see, David ichtiv tavu ba'aris she'areha. David, he built, uh, he built a citadel uh, in the city. He built fortifications of Jerusalem. But those gates went down into the ground, as it says in Echa, uh, meaning that they're down there and the gates and the enemies did not take them and benefit from them. And regarding the Mishkan that Moshe built, we have a tradition that once the first Bet HaMikdash was built, what happened to Hol Moed? Now they had a bigger building, so what did they need the tent for? Um, so the tradition says that the uh, the tent, the boards, the clasps, the bars, the pillars, sockets, all the parts of the Ol, ol Moed um, were uh, uh, sequestered, right? They were hidden away. And where were they hidden away? Um, in the tunnels of the under the Hechal, right? There's a whole tunnel system under the um, uh, under Hanabait. Um, that uh, with uh, all kinds of secret tunnels, and somewhere down there are um, holy vessels and the Ol Moed, and who knows uh, what other uh, fun items uh, might be down there. Um, there are a lot of Kotel tunnels now that are being uh, dug uh, further and further, right? Every day there's new findings there. Um, it's a little uh, dangerous to dig uh, immediately under the Temple Mount, um, be, uh, because you can't just you know, open it up and dig down there, um, but uh, maybe one day we'll be able to find what's underneath. Okay, Tenora Banan, Sota Natnu Eneha Bemisha Enora Uila, Mashe Biksha, Loni Tanlao, Mashe Biadan, Etaluhu, Mimena. Now back to Sota, that's where we got onto this Homidaki Negid Mida theme. Uh, the Sota um, uh, put her eyes upon pers- uh, someone who is not fitting to her. In other words, she set her gaze to sin with some other man that she's not married to. And what she tried to get will not be given to her, even if she, um, uh, well, so let's assume that she was guilty and she did sin with him one time. But the point is that it was illicit and she will not be able to marry her adulterer. That's a halakha, that if uh, a woman is suspected of committing adultery with a certain person, then even if she gets divorced from her husband, uh, the rabbis do not allow her to marry 
that uh, man that she committed adultery with. So not only will she lose out on being with that man, but also even what she had in her hands, meaning her husband, her, 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 her legal husband, will be taken from her um, because she will be forced to divorce him uh, without a ketubah um, if, uh, if there's, a, for example, a witness um, that, as we saw before, that saw her, um, saw her guilt. Okay, um, so not only do, if you try to take what's not yours, not only do you not get it, you also lose what you already have. And this is a general rule. Anyone who sets his eyes, tries to take something that's not his, um, what he's trying to get illegally, he will not get. And furthermore, what he already has, he will lose. Um, and this we see this lesson from the Nachash in back in Gan Eden that he set his eyes upon something that he was not that was not permitted to him. This is based on the Midrash that says that the snake wanted to marry Chava, and so not only did he not get to marry Chava, but he's also punished and cursed that there's going to be uh, eternal hatred between uh, women and the snake, right? Um, as that's part of the, the curse of the Nachash. Eva Asin. Eva Ashit. Hashem says, I was going to make the Nachash the king over all the animals. Um, uh, domesticated and undomestic- uh, undomesticated, right? It was supposed to be able to uh, walk upright and knew how to talk and was smart and wisdom and would be able to be the leader of all the animal kingdom. And now, because it tried to rise above even that station and, um, and, uh, and uh, take, uh, take a human that was above his uh, ability, uh, and uh, uh, was not allowed to him. Therefore, and how becomes cursed, the most cursed, the low, the lowliest of all of the animals um, in the field. He was supposed to be able to walk upright and now he's going to have to slither on his belly. He was supposed to eat what humans eat because he was upright. He couldn't go and reach uh, fruit. And now he's going to have to eat dust. He said, the snake said, I'm going to kill Adam and marry Chava, and now there's going to be eternal enmity uh, between the you, the, between the snake and woman, between their children uh, after them. And we find the same thing regarding all of these biblical characters. This is a common theme throughout the Tanakh. Cain wanted to take what was not his. He wanted to take um, uh, uh, Hevel's uh, role um, uh, uh, over uh, Hevel was a shepherd and Cain was a farmer. Cain says, I want to even take your pasture land. I want to be in charge of all, all the industries. And so he, tried, he was jealous to try to kill and tried to kill Hevel based on a little, somewhat of a midrashic reading of this. Um, and because he did that, not only does he not get Hevel's land, but Cain himself is going to be a wanderer having no land. Korach wanted to have the, be the leader. He wanted to be Kohen Gadol and the leader, uh, political leader of Israel. And because he 
tried to take more than was he was deserving, then he got nothing and was destroyed and killed. Bil'am, he tried to curse B'nai Israel. Not only did he not curse them, but he even blessed them. Do'eg ha'domi. He um, was against David and told Shaul uh, uh, all about David, um, and he killed the Nov Ira Kohanim. So he was trying to gain power. Not only did he not gain power, um, but we, the, his end, according to the Midrash, is that he uh, died young and lost his share in Olam Haba. Um, uh, uh, some of these uh, 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 characters, it's clear from the Peshat of Tanakh that uh, they, they fit into this model. Some of them is based on Midrashic readings. Doeg has, has, has a lot about him said in Midrash that he was a, he was a Tamit Chacham and then he forgot his learning and his, uh, his uh, uh, students were upset at him and they killed him and he lost Allah Batu. So Doeg in various ways um, did things he wasn't supposed to and got what he deserved. Achitofel, who was the advisor of David, but then went against David and his advice was not heeded and he went and he um, committed suicide. Um, Gehazi. Gehazi was the servant of Elisha. And when Naaman sent a gift and uh, um, Elisha rejected it, Gehazi tried to take this gift of robes for himself. So he was taking something that was not his and he was punished by getting leprosy. Of Shalom and Nadoniyahu both rebelled and uh, tried to become king. Um, uh, uh, after David, and both of them failed and were killed in their rebellions. Uziyahu was a king, and he wanted to be a Kohen also. And he went into the Bet HaMikdash and was doing Ketoret that was not allowed. It was not his place, right? He had a high place, and he tried to take a different position that was not did not belong to him. And he also got Sada'at. Haman, he wanted to um, be uh, 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 in power and kill the Jews, and instead he lost his power and the Jews gained power instead, and he was killed. Uh, so each of these people, they tried to, they put the, set their eyes on something that was not fitting to them, that was not permitted to them, and not only did they not achieve what they wanted, wanted, but even what they had already was taken from them. So this is an important lesson that be happy with what you have, and um, and if you try to get more than is coming to you, then you will even lose that which you have. And so now back to Sota, uh, the Baraita uh, uh, mentioned that she, because she transgressed with her, she transgressed with her thigh and then with her stomach. So that's the order in which she's punished: her thigh and then stomach. We have a contradiction between the order of these um, items in the Pasuk. In fact, there's three Pasukim that have different orders. Um, we see at first the Kohen will um, have her, will, will say this, uh, uh, this Shivua. And, uh, and said, listen, you know, this is what's going to happen. So here we have Yarech first, and then Betin, thigh, and then belly. But in the very next Pasuk, continuing that, it says, And here Betin first, and then Yarech. That's a kind of little chiasm um, within this Shavuah. And then, not only that, but after, that's in the language of the Kohen says, um, but then when it actually describes what happens if, when she drinks, it says, Beten first and then Yarech second. So that's what we're asking about these Pesukim. 
Uh, which one is it? Amar Abaye ki layet layet echila yarech v'hadar beten layet. Umaya ki badke ki orhai hu badke beten bereshe v'hadar yarech. So when the Kohen is, is, is pronouncing the curse, so he mentions first the th- first the thigh and then the stomach because that's the order of the sins. So that's midah keneged midah. Um, however, when the water goes down, the water follows its normal track, you know, down through the body. And it goes uh, to the stomach first, and then uh, reaches the thigh. So that explains that contradiction. Um, uh, Hold on, but we have a question because back in the curse, in the cur- within the curse itself, um, it says the other way around: beten first, and then yarech uh, second. So who Oh, that's because the Kohen wants the woman and everyone to know that, listen, even though I'm mentioning uh, one first because that's the way she sinned, you should know that if, if she's guilty and the, and the water actually does its job, uh, then you're going to see Beten first and then Yarech, um, so that people don't say, oh, see, the bitter waters didn't work. He said it's going to happen in this order, and in fact, it happened in the other order. So therefore... Uh, the Quran says it's going to happen in, in this order, even though Midah Keneg Midah is the other order. All right, now next Mishnah is going to uh, continue on this theme of Midah Keneg Midah. Shimshon halach achad einav defichach nikiru pelishtim et einav shtenemar vayochazuhu pelishtim vaynakiru et einav. Shimshon, he went after his eyes and he went and um, uh, married a pelishti. Uh, which is uh, not a great thing to do. And because he went after his eyes, so his eyes were plucked out by the Pelishtim. Midah keneged midah. Av shalom nitka'a b'sa'aro l'fichach techila nitla b'sa'aro. Olvi shebaal eser pilakshe aviv l'fichach nitenu l'bo eser lon viyot shnemar v'yasobu asara anashim nose kele yo'av. Um, Avshalom was very proud of his hair. He was so beautiful, and that's how you know he became very popular because of that. And Midakenegemida, he was hung by his hair. Right? He was riding on a horse, and the hair caught in a branch, and he was hung. Um, and uh, also because he uh, uh, came upon the ten concubines of his father, and that was part of his rebellion um, to to do that. Um, that was a sign of I'm um, taking my father's place by by doing that as a king. Um, uh, therefore, um, he got ten, uh, um, uh, uh, ten uh, spears thrust into him as he was hanging there, right? These uh, ten young people went and they speared him. As, as it says, right, the ten people that were the, uh, uh, the uh, bearers, the weapons bearers of Yoab uh, went and they uh, uh, surrounded him. Ulfishe ganav shelosha Genevot lev avi vele betin vele bisrael shneman vay ganeb avshalom et levan she israel fichalit yubo shelosha shebatim shneman vay kach shelosha shebatim bechapo veit kaem beleb avshalom and because avshalom stole three uh, three times not literal stealing but rather stealing people's minds hearts and minds that of his father and that of Betin and that of Israel as it says of Shalom stole the hearts of of Bnei Israel he got them to be on the side and to join in with his rebellion and therefore he got three um uh, shevatim uh, is a play on words the word shevet can mean uh, both groups of people and so it's these those three groups that he tricked um, and, but also, Shevet can mean a, a, a spear. And in fact, Yoav, 
um, speared him with three spears, as it says, Yoav took three spears and put it into Avshalom's heart. Um, and uh, that was actually before the ten uh, ar- uh, uh, armor, uh, 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 ten uh, men that bore his armor uh, went and also um, uh, speared him. Okay, so he each of these punishments was a midah kenegid midah for something he did. But don't think everything's bad. Midah kenegid midah also works in the positive way. Miriam waited for Moshe for one hour. Not literally an hour, it means for a, you know, a short time, a certain time, a period, um, while uh, he was a baby Moshe on the Nile and she was uh, looking out for him um, nearby. Um, uh, to check to make sure everything would be good, uh, good with him. Uh, she stood far off, and therefore, um, when she was stricken with sarat, actually, ironically, for saying something negative about Moshe, um, but uh, even so, when she was um, she was uh, uh, um, uh, put into uh, into quarantine for seven days, uh, the nation waited for her until she got better and joined the people again. So because she waited for Moshe, for his well-being, so the nation waited for her when she needed it. Yosef merited to bury his father, um, right when uh, Yaakov died in Egypt, Yosef went and buried him um, in the land, in, in Israel. And uh, there is no one greater than Yosef among his brothers, right? So um, this is Midah Kenegid Midah. And how do you see that? Because it says Yosef went and he buried his father. So that's how we know that Yosef was the main person that was uh, the leader in, in taking his father for a proper burial in Marat HaMachpelah. And it says everybody else went with him, right? In other words, Yosef is the leader and everybody else follows along. And who was greater than Yosef? And how do you see his greatness? That when it came time for Yosef to be brought for burial in Israel, Moshe himself is the one that dealt with Yosef's body and brought it, right? So that's a great honor to have Moshe himself. Moshe zacha ba'asmot Yosef en bisel gadomimenu gishenemar. Vaikach Moshe ta'asmot Yosef aimo. And Moshe, he merited to uh, deal with and bury the bones of Yosef. And he achieved greatness um, in part because of that. Um, as it says, uh, Moshe uh, took the bones of Yosef. That's where we see that he um, he fulfilled that mitzvah. Mi gadomim Moshe tosek boelah elah makom shenemar veikbod oto bagai and Moshe midak neg midah gets a reward that he, he who buried Moshe none other than hamakom. Uh, it says veikbod oto bagai. It just doesn't say who. There's a verb. It doesn't say who buried him. And so it means Hakadosh Baruch Hu buried him. Lo Moshe bilvad amru ela kol sadikim shenemar vehalach lefanecha sidkecha kebod Hashem ya asfecha. And not only Moshe, but also all righteous people. Um, the pasuk in Yeshaya says, uh, "Your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of Hashem shall gather you in." Gather you in means in burial. Hashem Himself will bury. So this is a, a beautiful midrash. 
um, that builds one upon the other, right? Yosef is great. Yosef buried Yaakov, so he's great. Moshe buried Yosef, so he's amazing great. Hashem buried Moshe. Look how great Moshe is. But that greatness, that's the highest, highest level, in fact, is not only reserved for Moshe, but in fact, um, is, uh, is the level that any Sadiq can reach who also will, um, will receive, will attain that same glory. So that's the power of Midah, Kenegid Midah for good, right? It seems like, you know, for bad, you get equal justice for Midah. For, for good, it even increases. Tenura Banan. Shimshon Be'enav Marash Nemar Vayomer Shimshon Elaviv. Ota Kachli Kihi Asherah Be'enai. Lefiyah Nikiru Pelishtim Et Anav. Shemar Ve'ochazu Pelishtim Ve'enakiru Et Anav. The Gemara now, quoting a Tosefta, is going to elaborate on the, the, what the Mishnah said. So Shimshon um, rebelled with his eyes, as it says, uh, Shimshon told his father, I want this one, uh, this woman, right, from this Pilishti, and uh, because that's, uh, that's good in my eyes. So he followed just, you know, the outside looks, and he didn't find, uh, he didn't marry someone with, uh, you know, high-quality person from his own nation. And therefore, his eyes were plucked out um, uh, by Pilishtim themselves. Hold on, this is not right, because the Pasuk also says that his father and mother didn't know that this was part of God's plan, that um, Shimshon should marry this Pilishti, so that eventually, part, as part of the plan, um, the Pilishtim will, be, um, will get punishment. And so since this was part of God's plan, so this was not a negative thing that um, Shimshon did. And the answer is, Ki azal azal. Yeah, but nevertheless, Shimshon didn't know that either. And so when he did it, he was following his own yesed hara in, uh, in doing this. And uh, we, he was not acting l'shem shamayim. So it's true, even though God had a plan, but his intention was negative. Tanya, Rabbi Omer, Techilat kilkulo be'azah lefi chalaka be'azah. His sin was happened in Azah. That's where he found this Pilishti woman. And therefore, he got his eyes plucked out also in Azah, the same place. Techilat kilkulo be'azah dikhti ve'el shimshon azata ve'el shemisha zona. Lefi chalaka be'azah dikhti ve'yoridu oto azata. He found this woman in Azah. And it also said that um, when he was captured, they brought him, he, they took out his eyes and they brought him down to Aza and put him in prison there. Vakati vayered Shimshon Timnata till Chilat Kilkolomiha Beaza Haya. Hold on, we have a problem. This woman from the Pilishti woman, he did not find her in Aza, but rather in Timna. So he got the wrong place. And the answer is the beginning of his sin happened in Aza. In Aza, actually, he found a Zona. And uh, so that is worse. And so since that's the worst item that he did, um, so we talk about Aza. Even though the Pilishti woman actually he found in Timna, uh, nevertheless because the, uh, the, uh, the wrongdoing um, initially was in Aza, and therefore they joined together and his punishment was in Aza. Okay, so then he, uh, he fell in love with this woman called Delila. Rabbi says if her name was not called Delila, it would have it would have been it would have been fitting to call her Delila. This makes reference to a lot of the names in Tanakh. Um, uh, even if they were given way before anything happened um, in their lives, nevertheless, their names are symbolic of things that happened later on, and the Midrash likes to pick that up. 
Um, so she's Delila, Dal means to make weak. And she made him weak in his strength, in his heart, and in his deeds. Let's see each one. Uh, she made him uh, weak in his strength um, because, right, she figured, when she figured out his secret, um, that his strength is in his hair, she, she had them cut off and then his strength left him. Um, at first, she kept uh, uh, pressing and saying, what's the source of your strength? At first, he would say, oh, it's uh, if you tie me with cords, then I'll lose my strength. If you tie me with new cords, I'll lose my strength. But each time, um, he was able to get out of it. And finally, um, he said everything that it was in his heart. And he told him, he told her, the secret was in his hair. And so, the, the la, uh, so that's there. The, there you see, she weakened his mind. Um, such that my heart is mind, such that he revealed she he revealed to her the secrets. And this is after um, he cut off her. She cut off his hair, and uh, he woke up in chains. And he thought, no problem, I'll break out of the chains. But he didn't know that Hashem left him the strength that Hashem uh, that Hashem gave him left him, and so um, she made uh she she weakened him in in terms of god's presence as well and so he couldn't he couldn't act uh, um, uh with his strength now that last time um Delilah realized that now he has revealed everything in his heart minayata how did she know that this time he was telling the truth even though on the previous occasions he was lying. He said, truth is recognizable. You can tell when someone's telling the truth and they fully reveal everything. Right? There's uh, mannerisms, the way they say it. And um, right, it just, uh, you can tell. Abayas is a different answer that uh, she knew that he was Shimshon as a Sadiq and he, she, he would not say God's name in vain. And therefore, when he said, I am a Nazir to God, he mentions God's name, he wouldn't say that if it weren't true. And so when it came to pass, she pressed him every day with words saying, please tell me, write your secret. What was the source of your strength? And so, so what does that mean? That she kept urging him. How did she get the truth out of him? What was that urging? That at the moment, right before the completion of Bi'ah, she slipped away and said, listen, hey, if you want to finish, then you're going to have to tell me your secret. So she uh, was able to use his vulnerability. Now we're going back to the previous, um, uh, uh, a couple of perakim back to the promise to Shimshon's mother by the angel um, that comes and says, uh, listen, um, you're right, your son's going to be great in Israel, so do not drink wine um, or beer or, or intoxicating thing um, and don't eat anything tameh. Now, the word tameh can have multiple meanings. It can mean uh, something that's ritually impure. It could also mean something non-kosher. And usually when it's talking about eating, it means like eating non-kosher meat. So my kol tameh, kachla. So what does this mean? That anything unclean, what the, they, they were eating unclean, right? Until now, this uh, uh, Shimshon's mother was eating non-kosher food. What, would, what, what does uh, this term mean? 
Amar Arabi Yitzchak the Bedabi Ahmed the Bedim Asurim Ben Nazir. No, it's not talking about non-kosher food, but rather things that a Nazir is not allowed to eat. Um, uh, it does seem that Kol Tameh is a uh, kind of instead of um, uh, tum'a, uh, becoming Tameh Lamet, right? Which Shimshon was not um, prohibited because he was killing people all the time, so he didn't have a prohibition of becoming Tameh Lamet. So it seems that this Tum'a, at least the mother would not be able to eat something that was Tameh that a Nazir also wouldn't be able to eat, like uh, grapes. Now, Shimshon went and he um, killed a thousand pelishtim with the jawbone of a donkey, which is a non-kosher animal. He called the place Lechi, which means jawbone, and then Shimshon was very thirsty. And uh, so, Hashem, he opened, cleaved open a hollow in, a, in that place of Lechi. Uh, so, what's the significance of this? He wanted something unclean, meaning a tameh, they're talking about the Pilishti wife, um, who was uh, prohibited to him, and therefore um, his uh, life was had, was almost gone and was dependent, hanging by a thread, and uh, dependent on something unclean, this jawbone that um, that he was able to use to kill the uh, these Pilishtim and then to drink from the place called Lehi. Regarding Shimshon, it says the spirit of Hashem began to move him that he decided he's going to be a leader in Israel. So, what do you mean by Vatachel? Um, in the sense of the Nevoah began. Which Nevoah? The one that um, uh, Yaakov said to the to the to his son Dan, and Shimshon is from the tribe of Dan, and uh, Yaakov said in the blessing that Dan will be a serpent on the way and killing all its enemies, and so too this will be fulfilled in Shimshon. Dan, so the spirit moved him, it's a curious word. So what does this mean? That the Shekhinah was jingling before him like, the, uh, like a bell. Um, uh, and, uh, and ringing, ringing, like, you know, is uh, calling upon him, uh, like an alarm clock to go and, uh, and act. And how do you know that pa'amo, uh, is in the sense of a bell? Um, because it says regarding the Kohen Gadol that he had on his clothing pa'amon, a bell, and a rimon. Um, so this is the, um, the divine calling. Ben Sora ben Eshtaol amar bi aseh. Sora ve'eshtaol shene harim gedolim hayu v'akaran shimshon u'tchanan ze bazeh. So began to call him a, in a place between Sora and Eshtaol. Well, why do we, what's significant about those place names? Sora and Eshtaol, Rabbi Aseh explains, are two great mountains, and Shimshon uprooted the mountains and smashed them one against the other. That shows his great strength. And other Agadot, was talking about the great um, uh, knowledge and ability of certain sages, it says that they're able to uproot mountains and smash them against each other, meaning take two issues on halacha and, um, and compare them to each other and, uh, and bring up questions and challenges, contradictions. Um, between them and solve them, and uh, so that imagery comes from this um, this uh, image imagery of physical strength uprooting mountains and grinding them together. We'll continue with Agadot about Shimshon uh, tomorrow's daf. Baruch Adonai Leolam. Amen. Ve'amen.